This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. We talked last year about all of the issues surrounding then-Brazilian President Dilma Rousseff, but now some of the same concerns are out there about current President Michelle Temer. The latest allegation is apparently that Temer telling a meatpacking executive to pay hush money to a government official. If that truly is the case, then we might see two presidents impeached in Brazil in just over a year. Joining us to discuss this, our friend William Burke White, director of the Perry World House here at the University of Pennsylvania. And joining in the discussion, Christopher Sabatini, lecturer of international and public policy at Columbia University School of International and Public Affairs. He is also editor of the website LatinAmericaGoesGlobal.org. Bill, great to see you again as always. Glad to be back. Thank you. Chris, great to have you on with us as well. Thanks, Dan. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. It is amazing, Bill, how many times we have talked about it. It's almost like clockwork. <laughs> you know, we, we give a person six months and something is about to happen. What's your reaction to this latest incident? Well, in some ways, I'm not surprised. Uh, you know, the Brazilian political scandal uh, really was not just about Dilma Rousseff. It was about the entire class of political leadership in Brazil. Temer was her vice president. And again, it's not surprising that he is finding himself in the middle of of the next round of this corruption probe uh, that uh, may well uh, be his downfall as well as hers. Chris? Yeah, I agree. And this is, you know, this 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 is a different probe. I mean, obviously, Dilma was not impeached over actual the corruption scandal that is sort of the most infamous one, which is the car wash scandal. She was she was impeached because she had been playing with the books a little bit. Yep. Um, but uh, but we all knew, and especially the party that Temer comes from is a party that's known basically for extorting money. Uh, extorting money for political votes. So this was inevitable. I mean, really, he had already been under a cloud of suspicion. And this, this, this just continues to grow and grow and grow. And the question is, is even if he is impeached, who comes next that's clean? And it doesn't look like anyone farther down the line is not going to be touched by these several scandals. Now. And, and it is amazing, Chris, as we've mentioned with Bill on a, on a few occasions, but get your opinion on it. I, I mean, the culture in Brazil around the government from the top on down, uh, I, I mean, it, it is just not good pretty much everywhere you go. Yeah, it's true. For First of all, I mean, there, there are over 20 parties in, in the Congress. So there's always been this sort of pay-to-play to build a coalition that's always been part of the political wheelings and dealings of, of this, this country and this economy. But now we're beginning to see the whole thing crack open in just this amazing collusion between really some of the flagship companies of Brazil, JBS, you mentioned, Odebrecht, OAS, the two big infrastructure companies, Petrobras. It is really, I mean, it's unclear where this is going to stop. And this has real implications, not just for the country's economic growth. And this was a quarter in which it would look like it was going to start to grow again, but also for the political life of this country. Where, you know, what are people going to, where are they going to go? Whom are they going to trust to lead their country in the future? So if you look at the economics of Brazil right now, Bill, what is what's the is there a magic bean out there for Brazil to at least start to turn the corner to to get this ship righted? Uh, no, I mean I think that it really needs to uh, to start by cleaning up the house, uh, the political and economic house, um, and and in some ways the the latest probe raises an even deeper set of of really troubling economic questions, which comes uh, back to BNDES, uh, the Brazilian National Social and Economic Development yeah. Bank, which uh, really has been the 
the kind of World Bank of Brazil. It's a a domestic development bank that funds uh, some of the largest companies and most major infrastructure projects in in Brazil. And uh, I've spent some time doing interviews with the bank. It's always shrouded in a little bit of of haze, shall we say, Mm -hmm. in terms of what they're funding. Um, But if you think of the size of it, it has $191 billion portfolio uh, of loans out there. Um, And the latest uh, scandal involving JBS, the world's largest meat company, uh, stems directly from a loan from uh, the development bank. Uh, And this suggests that the corruption might actually go all the way through the entire portfolio of loans. And Mm. those are the loans that are to the leading companies in Brazil, like Embraer, which has been one of the success stories, the aircraft manufacturer. Uh, But if, in fact, this next round of corruption takes us beyond Petrobras into the entire rest of the Brazilian economy, uh, it's going to be a long, long time before Brazil comes out of it. Chris? Yeah, I want to second what Bill said. That's absolutely right. I I mentioned the congressional dilemma of so many fractured parties. But yes, the NDS was basically their engine for economic growth. So first of all, what this does is it really casts a shadow over the last 15 or 20 years of Brazil's miraculous economic growth, because it demonstrates a lot of this was falsely inflated by a lot of bad performing loans, basically, and corruption and bribery that got Odebrecht and a lot of these companies into overseas markets came with the NDS loans. Uh, but it also, the, the, the confluence of these things also mean it's going to be difficult for this country to take on the sorts of market-oriented reforms to reduce pension payments, which is essential, to cut back on fiscal spending, because right now there's no one with the political legitimacy or force to be able to do it. Temer certainly doesn't have it. And again, anyone who comes after him. So it looks like because of this, it's going to be a long time before their, their nose is able to pull up and sort of start to take the reforms necessary to right the economy. Well, in reading some of the accounts on this, not only do you have the concern, and again, this is throughout the government, but not only do you have the concern uh, with Temer, but you also have concern apparently with De Silva as well, because apparently he got a $50 million kicker <laughs> into an offshore account. So, I, I mean, and and I guess he is could be in the mix if you were talking about future presidential candidates down the road. You know, Lula is sort of always in the mix. He's the sort of granddaddy now of Brazilian politics and uh, certainly the best known and, and most popular uh, figure. Uh, but I, I'm not sure that he is uh, either going to be the next president um, or uh, can can remain above the fray. There's a lot of, of indications that many uh, of these problems started uh, or at least were exacerbated under yeah. his presidency. Uh, and and my guess is he will uh, be smart enough not to put himself back in the middle of, of those investigations uh, mm-hmm. in, in the presidency. But uh, but we'll have to see how it how it unfolds. And, and apparently, Chris, uh, it appears that Mr. Temer is going to go down swinging in this and that he has said he is not going to resign, which I don't think is a surprise to anybody at this point. I, I, I guess right now he just has to he wants to try and ride this out and hope that maybe somehow he will be able to stay in office. Yeah, he's he's clearly, I mean, he's even asking the, the Supreme Court to investigate the tapes, the incriminating tapes. But the problem here is twofold. Well, first of all, you know, he loses immunity if he steps out. So if indeed he's guilty, um, you know, there's a certain saving his own neck here. But the problem is he's doing it at the cost, again, of the Brazilian economy and the Brazilian political system. The longer this ticks on, yeah. the more there'll be social protests and the more difficult it's going to be to right this economy. And so, you know, the best thing that could happen is have basically some sort of pacted change in which there's some sort of consensus government because the next elections are not scheduled to happen until 2018. 
The other interesting piece to this is that there is an American link to this in the fact that JBS owns Pilgrim's Pride, which is a brand here in the United States. So I guess it's still maybe too early to tell whether or not that's going to affect that piece of the company. Yeah, I mean, it certainly opens up the door to uh, the possibility of, of the U.S. government getting involved in a Foreign Corrupt Practices Act case. There's clearly U.S. money uh, that is is lurking in, uh, in in some of these bribes and in part the $3.2 billion fine that's just been levied. Yeah. So. Uh, I think that may get the Justice Department engaged, um, but I think at the moment this is fundamentally a Brazilian corruption investigation, and that'll remain where, where the heart of, of the activity is. Chris? Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. I mean, the Odebrecht one obviously uh, spanned borders, and the U.S. Justice Department got involved in that. This one looks a little bit more about sort of gaining the system uh, to actually allow for the sale of, of, of uh, not sanctioned meats and, and um, paying off political bribes. So it looks a little bit more domestic. But, yes, it could affect. And, again, these are a lot of, you know, Brazil has its fingers in a lot of different American companies. Yeah. Obviously, Imbev owns owns Budweiser uh, yeah. and Heiser Bush. So, you know, as this continues to spread, we'll see, and they may actually need to start shedding some of their overseas investments because, or they'll wish to, because these will become liabilities. Which makes me wonder whether or not we would see, and not not immediately, whether we would see the U.S. government get involved at some point, because, as you both have said, there are so many links here to U.S. businesses that at some point, and with the U.S. government knowing, even though we're talking about a different presidency, certainly the relationship between President Obama and Dilma Rousseff was not good, no. and it doesn't appear like we would see the relationship between Temer and Trump be good in any way, shape, or form. So, I mean, could it be a possibility that we would see the jump, uh, the U.S. jump in at some point down the road? Yeah, I, my guess is that this happens at a level below, you know, sort of presidential decision yeah. Making, right. Yeah. This is uh, a piece of the Justice Department that really investigates uh, foreign corrupt practices um, it, uh, and levies significant fines there. Um, the question fundamentally on that side, though, will be did a, um, you know, who paid the bribes? Is there jurisdiction in the United States for us to, to go after them? Um, but as we saw with the Siemens case, when there was massive bribery there in, in Germany, uh, it's certainly possible. But I think it's more a kind of day-to-day -day operation of the Justice Department uh, than it would be yeah. a, a sort of high-level political fight. What's unclear is where the U.S. Justice Department is putting its resources and priorities today. Uh, you know, uh, Sessions has not really laid out uh, a vision for you know where where this sort of investigation fits in the justice in the new Justice Department. What does this do? Uh, Go ahead. I can just add something. Yep. To one thing, Bill said. I agree entirely. But there have been some noises, and I've been getting some phone calls from people on the Hill in Congress who want to start investigating hmm. this. So, that you know, we're, we've seen this play out in other cases as well recently, obviously, is this sort of, you know, Congress exercising its um, investigatory powers. They are also concerned. So I think we may also see a little bit of some hearings and some other, uh, uh, you know, poking around about how this has stained or has affected U.S. businesses and its practices overseas. We are joined uh, on phone by Christopher Sabatini of Columbia University, in studio by William Burke White of the University of Pennsylvania. Your comments welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. And Chris, Chris, obviously, as we've kind of laid out here with so many U.S. companies having uh, connections to Brazil, for the most part, the, the the normal investor in companies in the U.S. might not think that this is an important topic. But it does become an important topic because of all of these companies that, that have the links to Brazil. 
Yeah, that's right. And of course, there's also, you know, we, whether also in the financial industry, uh, was heavily engaged in Bovespa, the Brazilian stock market. Right. Um, there's, uh, you, know, uh, you know, you fly almost on any small airline now, you're flying in, in, in an in a Embraer jet. Um, yes, it will have implications. And for a while, early in the scandal, it was funny. Financial advisors were telling their clients to continue to invest in Cuba, in, in Brazil. They will only continue to improve. Um, I think, you know, they're probably second-guessing that now, because I don't think, as I said earlier, and Bill was saying earlier, the end is not in sight anytime soon. Go ahead, Speak, I want to come back to that question of what is is the end, and particularly vis-a-vis Temer, uh, because I think it's a little more complicated than than perhaps we've gotten to in the sense that what, what was revealed was a tape uh, of, yeah. of him potentially sanctioning a bribe, and that came out through the plea bargaining process in, in the JBS case. Yep. Uh, it is not clear that that tape is admissible in a court of law in Brazil. There's some open questions that are being challenged around whether that is admissible. And so right. I think Temer is trying to push back, saying that's not a enough evidence to impeach me. Clearly, he is guilty of being corrupt in a hundred different ways. But whether we have gotten to a piece of evidence that can really tip the scales uh, in an impeachment case, I'm not sure. There's some other ways to push him out. He may get thrown out um, by his own saying, I got to get out of this, though, of course, that opens him up to more liability if he resigns. There's also the possibility that the electoral court will essentially invalidate the election in which he was elected to be the vice president. Uh, I think that's more likely. And that would be based on corruption of the electoral voting process uh, back a couple of years ago. But it's not clear to me that we're at a point where Temer is absolutely going to be out. He may well try to hold on to power for a while, uh, in part because there's this political vacuum of who do you turn to. It's not clear that there's anyone better to go to, which we've got to get that political problem solved before we can even begin thinking about how you put the economy back on track. Chris? Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's a number. I mean, there's been a cascading series of, of corruption uh, scandals, as, as Bill mentioned, the one about the election itself. Um, of course, he's been implicated. I mean, he was implicated even before he assumed the presidency after Dilma Rousseff. So it's unclear. And, and this JBS case is, I think, the most shocking because it's, he's pay, uh, he's at, he seems to be sanctioning the payment of hush money, which has a certain sort of gangsterish feel to it. Uh, more than just your average run-of-the-mill corruption, but it may not be the thing that brings him down. But as I say, the problem is, is people are in the streets almost every day now. They're protesting. Um, you know, it, there is a certain sense that the, the system has to move on in some way, and it probably going to be difficult the longer he stays. You're listening to Knowledge at Wharton here on Sirius XM 111, business radio powered by the Wharton School. Dan Loney here in our studios in Philadelphia, joined by William Burke White, director of the Perry World House here at the University of Pennsylvania, and on the phone with Christopher Sabatini of Columbia University. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you can't get your phone, you can send us a comment on Twitter at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. One of the things that Bill that you've mentioned in past times that we've talked about this is even if this evidence is there, who's to say that the courts, as we have kind of found out through the course of the last couple of years, who's to say that we can have any faith that they would take the action to potentially take Temer out if necessary, right? I mean, there's still a lot of question about the court system down in Brazil. Yeah, so in, there, there's a good, there's one bit of good news here, which is that the 
prosecutorial and investigative services have to some degree remained a little bit above the fray. Um, okay. There is some faith in the judge who sort of led the car wash investigation. Right. Uh, another one of the judges who was playing a big role in that case uh, actually died a year or so ago in a plane crash, and there was a lot of suspicion about why he, you know, what happened to the plane. But there is a sense that there's still some faith in those institutions. Um, there's a different question, though, of whether uh, Congress, which would have to do the impeachment, uh, has there's there's very little credibility there. Right. Um, and so it's it's not clear whether the institutions they can rise to the occasion vis-a-vis -vis any one individual leader, but can those institutions rise to the occasion uh, of dealing with an entire co you know country of corrupt politicians? And, and to be able to do something like impeachment, Chris, that's that's a played out period. I mean, we're not talking about being able to do that within a few weeks time. That is something that would take a, a you know, a, a significant amount of time to do that. Chris? You've got a lot of political mm -hmm. grudges. The PT, Dilma Rousseff's uh, party, they, they're really holding a grudge here. So this is, this is not, and, and impeachments are never easy, and they're always political. Um, this, is, this is going to be quite likely a, a mudfight. And, and as Bill was saying, too, is that, you know, there's a good story here about the judiciary becoming competent, independent, um, very, very good jurists, but the other, the rest of the system hasn't really caught up. And, and you know, this is sort of this disjuncture, and it's a very difficult time, I think, politically and for Brazil's institutions, um, in, in, given this sort of uh, disjuncture. Uh, let's go back for a second, because since you, uh, since your website, LatinAmericaGoesGlobal.org, covers so many things uh, down in that part of the world, just the structure of the economy right now has has been tenuous to say the least over the last over the last few years, and that is seemingly, Chris, one of the most important things that that they need to address. I mean, obviously, all this political uh, stuff is is kind of messing uh, uh, the works up, but still, the economy in general has really struggled uh, quite a bit. Yeah, they they were you know they were the sort of the darlings of, of of the global south for quite a while, but several things happened. First of all, they didn't take advantage of the the, the high times of the high commodity prices to invest, uh, and they never really opened up their economy. Um, they, they compared to the rest of the region, they actually one of the have the smallest percentage of GDP related to international trade. Their major exports have been iron, agricultural goods, oil. Um, you know, things that we know from global economics stretching back decades that are just difficult bets for a country to develop uh, and get out of the periphery on. And with China's cooling economic growth, they took a hit there. Um, the only good news is they have, under Temer, pulled back a little bit on inflation. So they're looking at that. And this, this was the year that after two consecutive years of near 4 percent contraction, their thought was they would maybe begin to pull out and or at least hit zero economic growth uh, and get out of the worst recession they've had in probably uh, the country's modern day lifetime. Um, but th this is hitting them smack dab in the middle of that. So it's going to be very, very difficult. And and again, the a lot of the flagship industries, the, the, the main brands of Brazil, the Embraer, the Odebrecht, these are the ones that are caught up in the scandal. And so it's going to make it also difficult yeah. for them. You know, the Temer, while we've been talking about him as a corrupt politician, also had an important reform agenda, and that was largely about reducing uh, pension payments, uh, extending right. the retirement age out further, requiring 40 years of work to be able to get full benefits and so forth. Um, and as Chris said, that uh, is, is really critical to the broader economic reform. And yeah. so that now has completely stalled. There's no way Temer is going to be able to get that through. It's highly controversial, even if 
probably needed. Uh, so not only do you have uh, the business side of the House in some level of crisis, um, there's no ability to move the political reform agenda, which is necessary for economic reform. And so uh, I think those two pieces hit one another together and leaves the economy uh, probably looking at the same kind of declines we've seen and contractions we've seen in the, in the last couple of years uh, again uh, again this year. And that just puts more pressure on the people on the streets uh, to be you know angry and, and out screaming. So we'll see. Well, and that's the other piece, Chris, is that we've we've seen that already to a degree, the, the response by the people of, of Brazil, which seemingly is going to continue, I would think, until something is done with, with uh, President Temer. Yeah, I, th this is, I mean, the, the Pandora's box is opened. Uh, it was really the people's anger that got Dilma Rousseff out of power. I mean, as I said, that she wasn't affected by the car wash scandal. It was really, she was a scapegoat uh, and it's sort of a safety valve, if you will. Um, and it worked for a while. And now we're seeing them back on the streets. Uh, you know, and we see a lot of the workers' unions, which are allied with the PT, are out you know, saying they are not going to take a cut in their pensions or extend their work life. Um, for a reform. So they're mobilized and they've got a really good reason to do it. And so it's 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 going to be tough sledding uh, to get any sort of reform package together. And let me also say the business's preferred candidate, the, the PS, um, the PSDB candidate, um, he, uh, Arieso Neves, who is the governor of Minas Gerais, who barely uh, lost uh, to Dilma Rousseff, is also caught up in the scandal. So it's yeah. really unclear even where the business community is going to throw <laughs> its its weight. There's really no option out there right now. Finding finding a non-corrupt politician in Brazil is, is a hard challenge, uh, you know. And then there's calls for if, if he is impeached, then you know the, there would be an interim president, and then Congress yeah. would choose the president. Yeah. Uh, I think that is a very ugly outcome because yeah. it's infighting within Congress. There's also calls for a sort of new general election um, from particularly from the left because they don't control Congress. Uh, but it's unclear who you know who they would unite around, uh, yeah. and I think yeah. that is maybe Temer's best hope for staying on, uh, because in a world without an alternative, uh, the known enemy may may be better than, than the unknown. Chris? Yeah, that's absolutely right. Uh, there's, you know, it could be a good, smooth option. And, and in fact, what Bill said earlier about the electoral court basically annulling Temer's election may open up an opportunity for moving up the election date. Possible. But yeah, you know, who they would rally around is some sort of interim consensus precedent. I, I don't see anyone on the landscape. And the problem is, well, the, the mayor of, of uh, um, Sao Paulo is very popular, pro-business, kind of is, is Trump-like. He actually had an a apprentice-like TV reality show. Um, there's a congressman who's a little bit, tr well, very troubling, former military officer, Jair, um, who is um, who's becoming very popular, seen as sort of a real corruption outsider candidate. But they're the only ones right now on the horizon uh, that people are turning to. There's also Marina da Silva, former environment minister, um, but uh, even she is sort of seems to have sort of been overtaken by events. So it's, it's, it's unclear what will happen. More reality stars as president of countries. OK. All right. We will we will end it at that point right there, because I don't know if we can really <laughs> top that one. Chris, thanks very much for your time. Greatly appreciate it today. Uh, Dan, it was a pleasure. Thank you. Nice, Th nice talking to you, Bill. Thank you. Bill. Glad to be here. I'm sure we'll be back talking about this again before yeah. too long. Thanks, Bill. Greatly appreciate it. William Burke White of the University of Pennsylvania, Christopher Sabatini of Columbia University. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.